If you would, turn it, grab a hymnal, if you would, and turn it to page 169. We're not going to sing a song. We're just going to look at a word here. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for the blood of the Lamb. Lord, I thank you for the Lamb that was slain. Lord, I thank you for your Son. Father, I pray today if there's no one here that's not saved, Lord, somebody here that's not saved, Lord, that you'd save them. Lord, I pray we'd take this stone Ebenezer serious. And Lord, that we'd reflect back, Lord, if we even have this stone in our life. Father, give me liberty to preach. And Lord, give us hearts to receive it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And that first stanza is, it's Come Thou Fountain. How many of us know this song? Everybody knows this song. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount, I'm fixed upon it, mount of thy redeeming love. And then it gets to hear the verse number two. Here I raise my Ebenezer, hither to thy help I'm come. Has anybody ever read that verse right there and go, what in the world is an Ebenezer? <laughs> I mean, by the way, if you'd like this message, you can uh, thank, praise the Lord. If you don't like it, thank Brother Dan. Because <laughs> he's the one that sparked this one out. Amen. But I was going through 1 Samuel chapter 7 back there, and he says, man, that's where that Ebenezer comes in. That's in that verse. And I go, man, you're right. You're right. And I started looking at it, and I said, here I raise my Ebenezer. What's the first word you think of when you think Ebenezer? Scrooge. Can I say, if you read your Bible, it ain't Scrooge, you know? It's not Scrooge. So it helped, I'd try to like to shed some light on that this morning, if you would. The stone. First Samuel chapter number seven, if you would. First Samuel chapter number seven. And the Bible says, then the men of Kirjath Jerem came and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadad in the hill and sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And it came to pass while the ark abode in Kirjath Jerem that the time was long for it was 20 years and all the house of Israel lamented after the Lord. And Samuel spake unto all the house of Israel saying, if you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange God and Ashtaroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. And the children of Israel did put away Balaam and Ashtaroth and serve the Lord only. And Samuel said, gather all Israel to Mizpah and I will pray for you unto the Lord. And they gathered together Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said there, we have sinned against the Lord. And Samuel judged the children of Israel in Mizpah. And when the Philistines heard that the children of Israel were gathered together in Mizpah, the lords of the Philistines went up against Israel. And when the children of Israel heard it, they were afraid of the Philistines. And the children of Israel said unto Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord for our God for us, that he will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it for a burnt offering Holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel. But the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. And the men of Israel went out of Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came under Bethkar. Verse number 12. Then Samuel took a stone 
and set it between Mizpah and Shen and called the name of it, what? Ebenezer. Saying, hitherto hath the Lord helped us. You know what I find out? I start reading that in verse number seven. He says, that's, that's where it, that's where that stone was set. But that's not the only time it's mentioned in your Bible. You know where it's else it's mentioned? First Samuel chapter four. Turn back there. We'll go back and forth between these, these few chapters, four and, and seven. Pretty much one through seven. And this, and the word of Samuel, First Samuel chapter 4, verse number 1, it says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside what? Ebenezer. And the Philistines pitched in Aphek. Look at chapter 5, verse 1. And the Philistines took the ark of God and brought it where? Where did they take it from? Ebenezer. So geographically, on the planet... This is the same place. What happens in 1 Samuel chapter number 5 is in the same place it happened in 1 Samuel chapter number 7. Can I say something? There's a big difference what happens in 1 Samuel chapter 5 where God helped him and 1 Samuel chapter number 7. But God helped him. Isn't that what the stone says? God helped us. First Samuel chapter five, it, it took, and it's the same place. It's the same location. But between chapters number four and chapter number seven, there's over 20 years. 20 years go by. I got 20 years and seven months, but I'm willing to bet that it was probably just a little bit longer than that. So I'd like to preach on this, this, uh, this thought of the Ebenezer stone. That God helped him. This first point I have is that God helped them with their, their prophet and their priest problem. Their leadership problem. Amen. You know, God will do that. God did do it. Elkanah, I mean, you, you turn back there to 1 Samuel chapter number 1 and, and Elkanah, Elkanah, excuse me. Elkanah would go up there year after year and he'd, he'd go up there with his wife, uh, Hannah and, and Penina and they'd go up there year after year. Year after year. Even though all this other stuff was going on with Eli and the priests and the sons. But Elkanah, by all means, was still probably a, a pretty good man. He'd go up there year after year and bring his sacrifice. By all means, he was probably a religious man. A good man. Despite having his two wives... Abraham did. I'd say he was a God-fearing man. I'd say he was going to do what was right. Despite all what was going on. You know that Bible says it said God wasn't even talking to Eli the priest at that time. Wasn't even talking to him. Because that says back there, knows that says everybody was just doing what was right in their own eyes. Sometimes men get that way. We just can do what's right in our own eyes. They not even kind of concerned what, what God's want planned in this thing. We're just, oh, I know what's best. I'm just going to do what's right in my own eyes. God got tired of it. God took him out. He sent a man of God in chapter number 2 and verse number 27. He sends this man... 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse number 27, There came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, 
Thus saith the Lord, did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father? This is that prophet talking to Eli. That they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house, and did I not choose them out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? And I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire for the children of Israel. Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and mine offering, which I have commanded in mine habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the cheapest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore, the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that my house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me will I honor, and they that despise me shall lightly esteem. Now, you better just remember that. When you go to make a league with somebody, that's what God says. says, Be it far from me. This is what God says. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Don't compromise with worldly wisdom. Especially if they're, they're, they're not, if God's not in all their thoughts. Behold, the days come that I will cut off mine arm and the arm of thy father's house that there shall not be an old man in thine house. And it shall, and thou shalt see an enemy in thy habitation and all thy wealth which God shall give Israel and there shall not be an old man in thine house forever. And the man of thine whom I shall not cut off from mine altar and shall be consumed thine eyes to grieve thine heart and all the increase of thine house shall die in the flower of their age. Verse number 34. And this shall be a sign unto thee that thou shalt come upon thy two sons and Hophni and Phinehas and in one day they shall both die of them. Well, that's a tough message. That's a tough message. You know what? Your kids are doing bad. I tell you what, I take this... I got two boys. I read this and it scares me. My kids might want, hey, how come you're hard on us sometimes? Because you better restrain your kids or God's going to take them out. And if you don't, then God might take you out for not restraining them. You know, and these, these kids were gluttons. They were sons of Belial, it says over in chapter 2, verse number 12. These were the priests. Now the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. These were the priests, man. Doing what was right in their own eyes. Gluttons. They took stuff by force, it says. Verse number 2, 16, 15 through 17. They were lying with the women in front of the old church house. Verse number 22. These guys were supposed to be examples. Eli was supposed to be a father and restrain him. And all the people heard about it. Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil doings of all this people. And he didn't do nothing. Everyone knew what was going on. Eli had bad judgment. He couldn't discern stuff. Hannah comes in there. She's praying for the Lord. Pours out her, says it, she pours out her, her heart. 2 verse number 12. 1 verse number 12. And it came to pass she continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Verse number 10. And as she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Just sorrowful, hurting. Because she couldn't have a kid. Maybe because she's even going up to this offering and giving this offering and she's looking over here at these pukes of priests. 
pukes. God didn't esteem him that. God killed him. He didn't esteem him less than a puke. <laughs> or more than, I should, you know. Maybe all she was wanting was just a leader. She spake in her heart, verse number 13, and only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she'd been drunk. Oh, you know what she... Verse number 14 says, Put away thy wine from thee. He tells her that. But you know what? She just pours out her heart. Verse number 15, she says, She says, And Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunken neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine hand made it for a daughter of Belial, like your sons. She didn't say that, though. She didn't say that because she was a virtuous woman. For out of the abundance of my complaint and my and grief have I spoken hitherto. And Eli answered, go in peace. You know what? A soft answer turns away wrath. And grievous words stir up anger. And Hannah knew that. You read her prayer, it's, it's godly. It's Scripture. It's the written Word of God now. But you know what it says right there? In verse number 19, despite of all this, Elkanah would take his family up there, watch all this stuff that was going on over there at the church house. Get fa- His wife gets falsely accused from the high priest. But you know what? We're still going to go. Because you wonder why I'm not looking at a man. I'm not looking at the pastor. I'm not looking at the preacher. I'm not looking at the priest. I'm not looking at the prophet. I'm looking at God. I'm looking at the Lord. And in the verse number 19, and they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord. Hmm. Hmm. What a thing. What a thing. Didn't let that false accusation hinder her. Didn't let, didn't let him get angry and have to go take something up with that man. Well, did you just falsely accuse my wife of being drunk when she's out there praying to God? No, we're just going to go worship the Lord and because it's real. I wrote down relationship in my, in my, in my notes here and I started thinking about it. It should be real relationship. It ought to be real this morning. It ought to be real. Great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. They love the Lord. Didn't stop them from worshiping. Rose up the next morning early. They didn't quit. They weren't shallow rooted. Amen. That's that shallow root. Surface Christianity. Thin skinned. Thin-skinned Christianity. Hey, excuse me of that, but you know what? God didn't. Let God solve this problem. He said, go in peace. You know, they had that relationship and it was real. In verse number 1, or 21, it says, And the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer unto the Lord the yearly second. They went back. They kept going back even though all this stuff was going on. Praise the Lord. They didn't throw in the towel. They just kept going. 
And God remembered Hannah. And she conceived Samuel. And she weaned him. And they gave him unto the Lord. And I got to wonder about that. You know, maybe she just says, you know what, maybe, maybe it was supposed to be Elkanah that was supposed to be a better leader. Maybe she says, you know what, I'm just, we're just going to give this child to the Lord and maybe he will, he's going to be the priest now. Maybe he'll be the leader that we need. Maybe he'll just do what's right, not lay with the women, honor these sacrifices. And you know what? Somebody that the people can look up to. Because obviously, it says over there, it says that the men abhorred the offering. Maybe that's what they wanted. I don't know. It's just a maybe. But I know Samuel came in there. Verse number 2 and 11. And Elkanah went to Ramah to his house, and the child did minister unto the Lord. You know what it says there? (laughs) It says the child ministered. The child. You know what these kids were doing up here when they was up here singing? They's ministering unto you. Don't ever think a child can't minister unto you. Because the Bible says he can. He, she, sing unto you. Man, I got a blessing out of them singing that. I like when I hear about the lamb there. I said, boy, why did they choose that song on this message? Well, I guess the Lord chose that one. Verse number 218. But Samuel ministered before the Lord being a child, girded with a linen ephod. You know what? He just kept going. Samuel was seeing this stuff going on a lot more than mom and dad were. And you know what? He made a decision. He goes, you know what? I just don't want to be like that. Verse number 21. The child Samuel grew before the Lord. He kept growing. Verse number 26. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. You know, I had to imagine they just knew something was different about this kid. How come he's not acting like the other priest's kids? How come he doesn't act like Eli? How come his words are different? And they started looking over at this kid, and you know what? That's a good kid. This kid's real. This kid wants to be a help. And he gets to a certain point in his life, and verse chapter number 3 and verse 1, it says, And the child... Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, and there was no open vision. You know what? God wasn't even talking to Eli. God surely wasn't talking to Hophni and Phinehas. And the word of the Lord, when God's word came in, it was precious. Samuel had never even heard it yet, but he's fixing to. Verse number three, chap, chapter number three, three. It says, "In an air, the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep." Verse number seven. It says that now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. You know what Samuel was doing? He was just going to church a bunch. 
He was just in that church house. Never heard the word. Never heard God's voice. Never heard it. But he's fixing to. And God calls unto him three times. And he thinks it's Eli. He says, here I am, Father. He said, oh, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. He comes in again. Here I am. I hear again. No, I didn't call you. Go back to sleep. Then the third time he hears him, Eli has a discernment. You know what? God's probably talking to this kid. He says, you know what? Go in there. And he says, speak for thy servant heareth. You know what? You ought to listen to God. God tells Samuel. How's this for a first time? God tells Samuel, you know what you're going to do? He says, I'm going to judge Eli and his sons. That's his first message. His first message that he had to go tell Eli was God's going to kill you and your kids. And that's a, that's, that doesn't make for great preaching. Bible. <laughs> don't, you know what I mean? By the way, that was the first message. First time he ever had to tell Eli that. But how many times is that that Eli has heard that? It's twice. And you know what Eli says? He says, it's of the Lord. Yes. Careful, you hear something twice. Yes. Better take a note. That one's for free. <laughs> and the Bible says, verse number 3 in chapter number 19, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did not let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Shiloh, Samuel and Shiloh by the word of the Lord. You know what? All... All knew that Samuel had been established. All of them knew it. Verse number 4, 1, And the word of Samuel came to Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle. And it's that time where that Ebenezer came in. So this place right here, where I don't think Samuel was, where Hophni and Phinehas were slain in verse number 2, you got 4,000 men right there at the end of that verse, number 4,000. In the end of verse number two, four thousand men die. And in verse number three, it says, "And the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines?" That blows my mind. It wasn't the Philistines, and I didn't blame it on the Philistines. They knew right away the elders, the people that are supposed to know God. Say, why did the Lord smite us? Where's your heart at? Where's your heart at? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Why did the Lord smite us? Let's get the box. <laughs> Let's go get the Ark of the Covenant. It'll save us. <laughs> Whose idea was that? Was their idea? That was their idea. Like I said, it was a prophet-priest problem. He solved it. Over here in this battle, and over here where Samuel comes in. I'm going somewhere with this point. I know it's a long point, but I'm going somewhere with it. 
The solution was get the shiny box. Verse number 10. Verse number 10, 30,000 footmen die because of they went and got the shiny box. Verse number 11, Hophni and Phinehas are dead. Verse number 18, Eli's dead. And you know what? The only one that's left? Samuel. 20 years go by between chapter, over 20 years go by between chapter number 4 and chapter number 7. And in chapter number 7, you know what Samuel's preaching? He ain't preaching, get the box! Get the box! You know what he's preaching? If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods of Ashtoreth among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve Him only. He will deliver you out of the hands of the Philistines. Boy, that's a, that's a, that's good preaching, brother Samuel. That's better than get the shiny box. Amen. He's preaching fasting in verse number 6. And they gathered together Mizpah and drew water and poured it out before the Lord and fasted on that day and said that we have sinned against the Lord. You know what he's preaching? Return. He's, repeat, he's preaching repentance. He's preaching prayer in verse number 8. He's praying for him. Samuel was the prophet now. God put him in instead of Eli. Hophni and Phinehas. He never quit. He kept on going for God and the people. Chapter number 7 is probably one of my favorites in this first Samuel right here. Just reading this, man. It's You know what? This is all pliable today. Every single bit of it. He helped them with their priest and their prophet problem. That Ebenezer Stone, God helped them. I'd like to say in the second point that he helped them. You know what he helped them with this Ebenezer stone? He helped them hear heaven. They heard heaven. Look at chapter number 7, verse number 10. Chapter number 7 and verse number 10. It says, And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines and discomfited them, and they were smitten before Israel. You know what? When God thunders, <laughs> have you ever been outside when it's thundering? Lightning's cool. I always try to make, what well, you want to see the lightning? You know, I mean, lightning's cool. But when that thunder goes, you know, all the way across, I can't even do it. You know what I mean? But that's the best I can do. When it goes flying across the sky, I mean, man, it, it goes right through you. You know what I'm saying? It can be felt. You know, that thunder, I'm getting goosebumps right now. I love it when God does that. You know what I'm saying? They heard heaven when God just whoosh goes through there. And these guys see it. You know what I mean? These guys heard it. They heard that and it disconfitted them. You know what I mean? They're looking out and all the Philistines are like, oh no! And they're looking up like this and all the Israelites are looking down there and they're like, man, they don't even know what they're doing. And the encouragement they got that, you know what? God is on our side now. We don't need the shiny box. We got God on our side. God's hearing us. Am I making sense?
They know that God's on their side. Verse number 11, And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them until they came unto Bethkar. Boy, I tell you what, when you, when, when you hear God, that's the best confidence you can ever have. Amen. You can go out there and then the, the measurables are, I mean, you can, you'll be victorious. That noise came from heaven. But 20 years before that, in the same place, turn over there to chapter 4, number 5. I love this. I love this. I really do. 20 years before, same place, same geographical location. They didn't hear heaven. They didn't hear heaven. You know what they heard? They heard humans. Chapter number 4 and verse number 5, And when the ark of the covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout, so the earth rang again. You know, I know when you hear heaven, I mean, Fourth of July is coming up, you know what I mean? When you hear heaven, that thunder goes through, it's better than any Fourth of July celebration you ever been to. But when people get together and they can shout, we can shout over whatever fan you're a fan of. You know what I mean? That's probably the loudest thing I can think of. You know, you get in a football stadium and everybody's screaming, yelling loud, and then the whole thing goes, oh, you know, and the earth rang. And I've seen some of these, when, when people get together and they make a huge shout, I mean, it's, you'll feel that too. You'll feel that. You'll hear it too. I don't know what all that means. Let the earth ring. Maybe it was an echo. But I know one thing, it was loud. In verse number 4 and 6, it says, And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the ark of the Lord was coming to the camp. And the Philistines were afraid. For they said, God has come into the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for where hath come this such great thing hitherto? Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hand of these mighty gods? These all be the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. You know what, though? They they heard that. They heard that. And they said, oh, man. That shout that those humans have, that's something powerful, Brother Gary. That thing is so loud. Ooh, that's scaring me. (laughs) But I love this one guy. I mean, these people know some Bible. Woe unto us who shall deliver out of the hand of these mighty gods that that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Somebody's listening to this guy talk. And he realizes, I don't see any of these plagues right now. Do you see any frogs? Do you see any flies? Do you got any boils, brother? No? No? All I see is a bunch of people shouting about a box. Where's God in this thing? It's the same with preaching sometimes. Preacher get up here, I mean, blah, 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 ran his mouth, yell as loud as he can, and blah, 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 and God ain't nowhere near it. Somebody noticed. Ain't no plagues here. I got my firstborn sitting right here. Be strong. Quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews that have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. 
Let's go get them. Just a loud shout of humans. But you back that up over there to chapter number 7. And the thunders came. <laughs> there ain't no verse in there, be strong and quit yourselves like men. <laughs> like, oh man, that God of the Egyptian show. And they're all looking around and doing this. And then they realize it's time. It's time to go out there and fight. God is with us. God is on our side. You know, that shout from heaven, the thunder, you know what, that's more than a shout of humans. The power above is greater than the power below. You know what, Ebenezer, God helped them. He helped them hear heaven. Helped them hear heard heaven when they heard heaven. You know, I'd like to say thirdly, they became victors instead of victims. First Samuel chapter number 7. And Samuel took a, took a stone. Verse number 11, And the men of Israel went out to Mizpah and pursued the Philistines and smote them there until they came unto Bethkar. Verse number 13, So the Philistines were subdued and they came no more into the coast of Israel. And the hand of the Lord was against the Philistines all the days of Samuel. And the cities which the Philistines had taken away from Israel were restored to Israel from Ekron unto Gath. And the coast thereof did Israel deliver out of the hand of the Philistines. And there was peace between Israel and the Amorites. You know, they became victors instead of victims. You know what that Bible says for sake of time? We won't turn there, but Romans chapter 8, verse number 35 through 39 says, Nay, in all things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. You know what? You ain't a victim today. Unless God's judging you. But you can get right. You can get right. With God, all things are possible. You know, you believe in Him, you have faith in Jesus. I mean, how many times has God delivered you? Have you thought about it? Do you need to think about it? Have you forgot about it? You can't forget about it. It increase your faith. You won't have faith in a box. You're going to have faith, more faith in a book. More faith in the living God. You know, they became victims. Chapter number 4 and verse number 2. 4,000 men die. I said this before. 4,000 men die in there. Verse number 10. Into that verse, 30,000 footmen die. Verse number 11, and the ark of God was taken and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas were slain. Two priests die. Here's you guys are victims of God's vengeance. Verse number 18, one prophet dies. Verse number 19, and his daughter-in-law Phinehas' wife was with child near to be delivered and she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken that her father-in-law and her husband were dead. She bowed herself and travailed for her pains came upon her. 
And about the time of her death, the woman that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast born a son. But she answered not, neither did she regard it. And she named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from the Israel, because the ark of God was taken. Verse 22, And she said, The glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken. You know what? Can I tell you something this morning? The glory of the Lord is not departed. You know how I know that? Because in 1 Samuel chapter number 7 and verse number 9, it says, And Samuel took a sucking lamb. And Samuel took a sucking lamb and offered it burnt. Offered it for a burnt offering, holy unto the Lord. And Samuel cried unto the Lord for Israel, and the Lord heard him. You know what? That's that sucking lamb. The youngest son. The youngest one. A sucking lamb. It was still nursing. And God gave His only begotten Son. You know what they did? They they seen salvation. Last point. They saw salvation. They seen it in that lamb. They seen it. All this is going on. All of this is happening. And in verse number 10, it says, And as Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, and the Philistines were near to battle against Israel, but the Lord thundered with a great thunder on that day upon the Philistines, and it discomfited them, and they were smitten for Israel. You know what they were doing right before that? In verse number 8, it says, And children of Israel said to Samuel, Cease not to cry unto the Lord for God for us, that He will save us out of the hand of the Philistines. So here they are, they, the battle's drawing near, it's getting closer, and they look over to Samuel, and they're just like, they're going to kill us! Pray for us, Samuel! Pray for us! And they're watching Samuel as he goes over, and you know what he does? He grabs that little lamb, the sucking lamb. And he grabs that little lamb, and he goes and offers that for the sacrifice. And they're like, he's going to kill a lamb. He's going to offer up that lamb. And as he was offering up that lamb... The thunder comes. And don't ever do, am I making sense? Have you been saved today? Does not that just touch your innermost physical being in your soul? The lamb that gave it all? Salvation is there. You gotta look unto the Lord for it. You look unto God and you see out there and it says, God showed up. Look at all these guys. Let's go get them. And they're gone. They just go get them. And the marvelous and great things the Lord's done for us. He saw salvation in there. You know what's a blessing about that? We don't need a priest to cry unto us for it. You can call unto him yourself. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. You know what? That, that veil's been ripped. It says over there in Matthew, The veil has been rent in twain from top to bottom. I don't need a priest to go in there and make my prayers. I don't need to pray to Mary to go in there and confess my sins or whatever she does. I don't know. No disrespect. 
I can boldly approach the throne of God. I can pray whenever I want to. I can ask the Lord to save my soul. I can go to Him with every single one of my problems. If I got problems with the pastor, I got problems with people. I got problems with work. I got problems in the world. I got problems at grocery stores. I got problems driving. Any problem I got, God can handle it. I mean, if He can, if He created this whole world by speaking existence, surely He can handle a simple problem that I got. And he'll save you today. I remember when he saved Brother Danny. I remember when he saved me. I remember when he saved Brian. Hey man, you remember when you got saved today? As a piano player comes up, is there an Ebenezer Stone in your life? Place where you saw salvation? Is there a place like that today? I kind of feel bad sometimes. I don't have a, a date. I was involved. I'm not even going to go there. I don't have a date. I didn't have a date, but I got a place. Now it's my son's room. Before it was the gun room, and my wife called it the junk room. But <laughs> That's my place. That's my place where I get down, and I just say, Lord, forgive me. Just, Lord, just forgive me for all my sins, Lord, and just save my wretched soul. Amen. You done that today? It's not just a knowledge thing. You've got to have it in your heart. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, then shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's that simple. It really is. God willed that none should perish. Amen. You got an Ebenezer stone in your life? Have you heard heaven? Have you felt in your heart? Do you feel it in your heart when you read his book? Do you want to have that stone in your life? Are you a victim? Or are you victorious? We're more than conquerors through him that loved us. Have you seen salvation today? Are you grateful for it? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day. Father, I pray if anybody here is struggling, Lord, to be saved, Lord, I pray that they just call upon you. Lord, uh, I pray if anybody here is just, Lord, just struggling. Lord, maybe today would be that stone where they get their Ebenezer stone. Lord, it ain't about old Scrooge, but Lord, it's about a Savior, what you've done for us. God, thank you for the many things you've done for us. Help, help us to be mindful of them. Thank you for this time, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.